Not enough people understand everything that you can do with BitRefill. Come to BitRefill.com. Take a look at their gift cards, phone refills, eSIMs. Let's take a quick look at the gift cards. Anything you can really imagine for day-to-day life. Uber, Instacart, Amazon, Apple, Walmart. You can buy any of these with crypto. You don't have to provide your name. You don't have to provide your driver's license. You don't have to provide any of that. As long as you have crypto, you can buy here. Enter promo code Chris Black and you'll get an extra 10% back in extra Bitcoin reward. Bitrefill.com. Use promo code Chris Black. Bitrefill.com. Let's get right into it. So there's been controversy with SWAN. Okay, so let's first talk about what SWAN is. SWAN is a a service that allows you to purchase Bitcoin uh, and to withdraw it to your own self-custodial wallet. So SWAN is not, as far as I know, is not a custodian. They deal with third parties who are custodians, who are these buying services that are heavily regulated. SWAN is regulated too, okay? But they're not regulated as a custodian because they're not a custodian. And let me just say right now, I invited uh, the co-founders of SWAN to join this chat. Uh, and they didn't want to because because I'm a shit coiner. According to one of them, um, because I accept donations and things other than Bitcoin. So these guys are like Bitcoin uh, maximalists who really don't want to have anything to do with me. So I'm definitely not getting paid to say any of this or I'm not even getting any sort of goodwill. (laughs) I just want to put that out there. So but I, I speak in terms of logic, reason and facts. Okay, I'm not a person Despite what a lot of people think, I'm not a person who goes out there and just starts bashing for the sake of bashing. Uh, I, I have good reasons 100% of the time. And if there's no good reason, if I see bashing going on where it shouldn't be, I'll speak out on that too. You know, so that's what I think is going on here. So Swan is a service that lets you buy Bitcoin. They don't deal in other cryptocurrencies, uh, just Bitcoin. Okay, and you can buy Bitcoin, you can withdraw it to your self-custody. They work with a third-party custodian that holds it for you if you choose not to withdraw it right away, and that does the actual buying for you. So Swan circulated a, um, an email to the other day, and I'm adding uh, J.W. Verrett, by the way. Um, he's going to come up on stage, and he's going to sort of talk through some of this with me. <clears throat> so thank you, JW, for, for joining. So I'm just going to keep giving this overview, and then we can get into a conversation about it. Uh, but Swan sent an email to their clients, users, customers, which I, by the way, I've used this service, uh, and I've enjoyed using it. I haven't had any trouble with it. So the email says this, our banking and custodial partners have made an update that could affect your account. In light of the recent proposed ruling from FinCEN regarding Bitcoin mixing, they, meaning Swan's banking and custodial partners, will no longer service clients who directly interact with Bitcoin mixing services such as Wasabi, Samurai, and similar services. What this means for you, please be advised that depositing directly from 
or withdrawing directly to a mixing wallet, which, by the way, is a very vague and weird statement. But anyway, doing that may result in the termination of your account with our banking and custodial partners. So first of all, notice that Swan is not saying that they're going to terminate your Swan account. They're saying that because you're a client of Swan, you're also a client of these third-party banking and custodial partners. The banking custodial partners are the ones who are following the FinCEN ruling regarding mixing and who are being skeptical and, and banning people just because it looks like they're mixing their Bitcoin. Not SWAN, but the third parties. Okay. So then it says to prevent any potential issues going forward, you can update your withdrawal address from your SWAN dashboard. They're saying that. So in this email already, they're sort of dropping clues about how you can circumvent this nonsense, which we'll get into in a minute, is immoral nonsense from uh, from the third-party banking partners. So I'm just going to add a um, mine your biz, uh, if I can get in there, add your speaker. I think I got you. Nope. Request again, um, mine your biz. So, okay, so Swan's dropping breadcrumbs about how you can circumvent this. Then it goes on to say, we at Swan fully support your right to privacy. We're actively lobbying against government regulations that require regulated financial institutions to report mixing activity, uh, and on and on and on. Actually, the, the copy of the email that I have gets cut off right there. So um, mind your biz, adding you, add a speaker. There we go. Okay, so what I wanted to say about SWAN is this. SWAN is um, a company that has always required KYC. They require KYC because their banking and custodial partners uh, require KYC. But Swan also has a history of pushing self-custody. Okay, they have free withdrawals. They have tons of prompts in their user interface to push you to self-custody. Um, they have an auto-withdrawal feature that allows you to automatically withdraw your crypto to self-custody uh, using your XPUB. They even tell you, like, create a fresh wallet so that when you give us your XPUB, you're not doxing all of your transactions. So these guys, look, yeah, they're Bitcoin maximalists. Uh, a lot of you may not be Bitcoin maximalists, right? You might think Bitcoin maxis are annoying or freaks or whatever. But bottom line is this. If you're going to have a KYC... Um, if you're going to have a buying service that's in the, the real market, like not the pirate market, not the no KYC market, okay, a real buying service, you want it, first of all, it has to have KYC. And second of all, you want it to have some sort of principles, okay? You don't see Coinbase out there, you know, pushing uh, self-custody anywhere close to the way that Swan does, okay? So that's something that's important for us to see you know, in the space is that kind of principles. And, and we want to see more of these regulated companies pushing people to be private and defending privacy in a real way, not a fake way like Coinbase, but a real way like Swan is doing here by sort of giving you advice on how to continue mixing your coins. People are out there. Uh, let me, before I go on, Block uh, Prof, uh, JW, um, mind your biz. Am I getting this right so far? Have you guys been following the story? Okay, so I want to make sure I'm not missing any big, big pieces of it. Uh, 
but the, so the, there's this whole faction of people out there. I'm not sure if any of you, of you guys on the call are part of this faction. If you are, I invite you on stage. But it's really being led by the the mixing crew at Samurai Wallet and uh, a lot of their followers. And it's sort of this 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 new level of toxicity in the space. It's really interesting, right? Because I thought I was pretty bad. <laughs> there's there's been people like me. There's been people who are like these toxic um, Bitcoiners, right? These these sort of like toxic maximalists we know about, right? But now we've got these toxic privacy maximalists who are going out there and sort of saying a lot of false stuff about a case like this that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. They're saying that Swan is out there um, pushing KYC, uh, sort of anti-mixing stuff, and Swan is doing this, Swan's doing that. When Swan is being very clear that it's their third-party partners who are doing it, right? So why do we have this situation going on where all these people are out there saying, Swan is a piece of garbage, Swan is awful, Swan is... When Swan is probably the most one of the most principled players in this particular regulated KYC space. That's the part that I don't, I don't really get what Swan did wrong here. And again, I'm not trying to defend them. They, they basically um, said they want nothing to do with me as far as this conversation goes. They don't want anything to do with anybody who doesn't talk only about Bitcoin. Uh, so I'm not incentivized to be, to be uh, defending them. But I, I don't understand what they did wrong. And I only see what they did right. Okay, so I'm not sure what people expected them to do in this particular situation. Maybe these people that are that are putting that stuff out there just aren't reading all of it or aren't that smart um, to be able to, to 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 look at this in a logical, reasonable, rational rational way. Uh, but somebody else said to me, "Oh, you know, Chris." Um, you're always bashing projects with KYC. You're just, you know, sort of a hardliner. And that's not, that's not true. You know, you don't hear me out there bashing Coinbase for having KYC. Because, of course, Coinbase is going to have KYC. They're, they've chosen their path from day one. They're a regulated entity. They're operating in the real world. They're subject to the jurisdiction of the U.S. government. They're, they can't exist without KYC. Just like Swan can't exist without KYC. From day one, they had KYC and everybody knew what they were all about. The projects that I tend to bash regarding KYC are the ones that start decentralized, quote, air quote, decentralized, and say that they're eliminating middlemen and say that they're, they're changing the way we're going to bank and changing the way that, that we're going to consider money. And then next thing you know, they're adding KYC or they're, they're looking for ways to... to, to um, control who can access their services or they're geo-blocking or they're doing all this. So they start from a place of decentralization and then they, they capitulate. But that's not what's happening with, with um, Swan or Coinbase or any of these guys. These guys started from day one with KYC. They were never f trying to fool you about what they did. Okay, so with Swan in particular, though, they continue, they're one of the few that continue to tell you the real story about what's going on. So regardless of what you think of Maximalist, I, I think that Swan is, um, it's an interesting case, but I think that people are going too far with the way that they're going after them. 
And I want to get into other topics here as far as, you know, KYC and the morality of that and privacy and stuff. But before I do, mind your biz, what's up? Hey, first off, thanks for having me on stage. Really appreciate it. And, uh, and absolutely love the work that you do, man. Uh, really. Uh, Thank you. But you, don't, you don't need to hear it from me, but keep doing what you're doing because the space needs it. Uh, but as far as this topic of Swan, did they go too far? Did they misstep? Did they violate the original charter? I think that you got it spot on, right? Like they started in a spe- down a specific path and that meant making very specific compromises in order to get people exposure to this crypto asset, right? Bitcoin. And like you said, you rightfully pointed out, they're one of the few services that that does that because other services like, um, like Bitwage used to offer that part of user onboarding where they would teach people how to export their XPUB, how to, how to export uh, their public key or their master public key so that they could provision fresh wallet addresses so that every payout they got, you know, they, they, they adhered to best practices. And Swan is one of the few holdouts that still does that. There's almost no other, uh, n- almost no other service like that, right? That spot service where you can buy Bitcoin, where they'll ask you to give them a public key so they can send you tranches of Bitcoin to fresh addresses and help you stay a little bit more anonymous. Um, so they should be applauded for that. They're one of the few that, that even does that. Um, but then with what they said, their public messaging, I think maybe the gap is this, because uh, I, I interviewed the Samurai team not long ago and then the Ronin Dojo team not long ago, and which was the first, by the way, actually the Ronin Dojo team, they did their very first ever Twitter space only a few months ago. So. I think they're all they're all kind of realizing we have to get along a little more, but like you said, this new brand of sort of toxic max- maximalism with privacy, I think that it's viewed as more like um like ideologically pure, right? Where sort of like if we don't toe the line, who will? But I think the missing gap or the, the missing piece here is for there to be better canary systems, right? So a canary page where groups like Swan, just like Kraken, right, where they can without getting browbeaten by the Bitcoin community or by, by whatever the, the maximalist community is that they serve you know, most, where they can just make those responsible disclosures and say, look, some of our partners or some of the people that we do business with, they have told us that there is this risk inherent with using our platform. It's not our own policy. And ideologically, it's not what we want, but these are some constraints that we have. And so we're just telling you and we're disclosing responsibly that there are risks with using our platform. Right, the CEO of Kraken did this not long ago, where, where he just said, "Hey, if there's, if you don't want to be subject to some of the downsides of custodial crypto, then don't use Kraken. It's that simple." And I mean, he had no, th- there was no self-interest in that statement. There was nothing that served the interests of Kraken. It, you know, having the CEO make a statement like that, but that that did come from ideological purity of helping people to be more sovereign, holding their own crypto keys, and then adhering to best practices after they off-ramp their crypto from Kraken as an exchange. Yep. Yep. You're right. Um, it would be nice to see more of the Canary style, you know, spirit, <laughs> you know, the whole like um, idea that the company is unabashedly on the side of the individual, you know, and the vast majority of regulated companies in in the financial services space, in the crypto space, they don't act like that at all, right? Coinbase is shutting down accounts without explaining why. They're not um, being clear with people. They're they're clearly 
on the side of the government because that's the more profitable side. It's easier to run your financial business when you are on the side of the government and doing whatever the government tells you to do. And if you even get a whiff of something like what Finn said uh, put out there about Bitcoin mixing, you take action against your users, okay? You're, uh, you're against your users. You're not on the side of your users. What you're talking about with Kraken, uh, with Swan in this case, uh, and, and with a few others probably in the regulated space, they are putting principle ahead of profit, which is very, very, very rare, okay? And they are trying to show that they're on the side of the customer, on the side of the client, um, especially with this stuff with pushing self-custody and trying to educate people on that stuff, on hardware wallets and stuff like that. Like That's above and beyond what a buying service should do, right? They could probably make a lot more money just running a custodial service, but that's not what they're trying to do. So again, look, I'm not trying to be a, you know, a character witness for the guys running Swan. I'm just telling you what I'm seeing. And I'm telling you that the divisions, and just over the past month or two, the divisions in the privacy area of Bitcoin and the privacy space, specifically with mixing with Wasabi and Samurai and all this drama going on, it's so counterproductive. And in this case, there's absolutely zero to be gained by bashing the shit out of one of the most principled actors in the KYC space. There's nothing to gain. Now, I can see that, you know, Samurai and those guys wanting to take a hardline stance against KYC, period. I get that. I think KYC is absolutely evil, like Mark of the Beast evil. Like, you know, it's <laughs> beyond anything that we should be tolerating, yet we do because we're screwed up. But, you know, I can see that. I can see just bashing the crap out of anybody who KYCs, anybody, any financial business, go for it. But if you're going to, like, pick out specific ones and start to make these nuanced situations into something it's not, it's just like a bad move. It's a bad move and it's childish and it's bullshit, you know? We need to be, we need to think. We need to use our brains here. We're not just fucking cavemen with, with clubs going around trying to smash people you know we're, we're smarter than that go ahead you know chris you and i we, we both look pretty simian you got to be careful about comparisons to cavemen watch it brother <laughs> just say i'm just saying man i got i got the resting bro phase all the time I'm, I'm always careful not to compare myself to a caveman you just you can't put this genie back in the bottle after people start seeing that they're like oh fuck yeah seth the caveman um anyway jokes aside i agree with you largely I, but I promised that I would jump on stage to essentially take the side of the, the opposing side of the debate. So I'm going to start. Uh, I'm going to start taking that tact moving forward and turn it into a more interesting discussion and more like a debate. What I'll say is on the side of extreme privacy, the reason that this is that this kind of activism is needed is precisely because Swan is the biggest dealer of custodial Bitcoin. Right? They are pushing the greatest volume of Bitcoin from a centralized service back into people's own custody so being i mean and unfortunately it's you know that being that that biggest service right being the most visible player in the space means they're going to take the hardest hits right they're the biggest target but uh that's in a, neither here nor there it's just what advocates do it's what lobbyists do and what and what advocacy groups do is they have to go where the attention is and swan has the greatest attention when it comes to onboarding large groups of people into large OTC purchases or large 
uh, spot buys of Bitcoin. So if they don't, uh, if the privacy maximalist faction of Bitcoin doesn't bring this to Swan, then they're slacking, right? They have to bring this kind of a this kind of a conversation or discourse, or sometimes even just even just a little bit of accusation to try to get a conversation going. They have to bring to the biggest players who are willing to have that conversation. And brought up Kraken earlier because um, because the same is true there, right? They've got a phenomenal OTC desk, and actually are, they're pretty reasonable when it comes to at least um, on the advisory side, uh, the consulting side with with companies that I've worked with who have needed to do you know six figure and seven figure spot purchases of crypto. Kraken has been like very good to work with. That doesn't mean they're perfect, and it doesn't mean that they're they're above you know scrutiny or above any kind of criticism. So uh, I see it from the, the privacy maximalist standpoint in Bitcoin, when you see millions upon millions in fresh purchases made, and you see that this, the, this solutions provider, Swan, is already doing a relatively good job, like they're 80% of the way there, then you have to be that squeaky wheelie. You have to, you have to be that advocacy group that says, hey, 80% is not bad, but um, when it comes to privacy, we want you to go the last 20%. We want you to make it, we want you to advocate with us and toe the line with us against these other third parties that you say are going to be the real threat vector. Then help us toe the line because you, with your tens of millions of dollars in volume that goes through your platform every so many days, you have an even louder voice with those groups than we from the grassroots do. So that's, that's why I can see it from their perspective too. Well, since you're doing the role playing, um, what is there to gain by lying and saying that this was Swan's decision to block Bitcoin mixing when it actually is just Swan telling you what their partners are doing and what every single banking and custodial partner in the United States of America is going to do if they haven't already done? What is there to gain by making stuff up? about a, a service that just provides this sort of abstracted buying uh, layer, you know, like why is it just out of ignorance about the situation or is there something else to gain by just bashing the crap and lying about everybody in the space? No, I, I think, <laughs> I think, sorry, I'm, I'm trapping to myself because I think it's a little bit like an initiation ritual, right? In a gang, right? It's getting jumped into a gang, right? Like, Hey, we we need you to we need you to be with us, right? So we're gonna beat on you until you're with us. But what are they supposed to do? Like, what is Swan in this case supposed to do other than just go out of business? Which is fine if that's what they want, but that's not what they've said. What is Swan supposed to do when every custodian, every banking partner is gonna follow FinCEN rules regarding Bitcoin mixing? Like, what is the actual request? to swan i haven't heard one and that's what i said like on twitter i'm like do you guys just just do you just object to their existence because if so let's make that clear but in the meantime there's nothing else that they can do because they're not the custodian themselves jw what do you think well i'm on samurai's side uh i i i think they, i i guess maybe that makes me a toxic privacy maxi um, first of all, in terms of what should Swan do, what should Swan have done, and why does their this recent communication raise concern? Okay, first of all, I realize that 
the point of that email was mostly to italicize recommendations to avoid getting blocked. Um, go ahead and use, you know, they were telegraphing to the world. Keep using Samurai, just also use their Ricochet feature to get around these issues, right? Which is fine. Uh, if that's all this ever is, that's fine. I also think that Samurai is right to suspect that we're not getting the whole story here. Uh, Swan, for, uh, first of all, I don't think it's reasonable to believe that this decision has been made already when the fence-in rule is a data collection rule. Now, of course, that puts pressure, certainly, and it might lead to some stupid decisions by some banks. But Kraken still has Monero, and you can withdraw Monero, and they're not going to close your account uh, for withdrawing Monero. I, I don't think Kraken will ever delist Monero. So Kraken's been able to find a bank that allows uh, it to, um, I guess they're partnered probably with Anchorage, um, They've been able to find a bank that has no problem with Monero deposits uh, uh, and withdrawals, uh, which is basically a type of mixer, uh, at least in the view of the FinCEN and the, and the bank compliance crowd. So why hasn't, uh, why didn't Swan do more to to push back on the, and and maybe cut uh, custodial relationships with banks that that did not uh, appreciate um, uh, that the FinCEN rule doesn't prohibit use of mixers at all? Uh, why didn't they do more to educate them about the differences between, uh, you know, custodial mixers that mostly run Russian money and coin joins that are just facilitated by Samurai, but are nothing like the central mixers that have been the feature of DOJ investigation, right? There's more Swan could have done before it did this, uh, is, is Samurai suspicion. They might be wrong about this, but I think it's a good faith. Uh, it comes from a good faith place. Um, I don't want to have to pick a side because I know these are both OG institutions, right? And I'd prefer mommy and daddy were not fighting like I think you'd prefer. But if I have to pick a side, I'll, I'll say Samurai's acting in good faith whether they're right or wrong about this. Okay, so you said you wish Swan had vetted other custodial partners, banking partners before they did this. First of all, they may be doing that. Right, they may be doing that in the background. Second of all, you said before they did this, before they did what? Like what? I mean, to me, this is a situation where if they did want to make a change, it couldn't happen overnight. It would happen over a period of months, probably. Um, and all they're doing here is warning. They're trying to look out for their clients. They're trying to tell their clients, "Hey, we respect your privacy. We want you to be private. But if you want to be private, you need to do this because these asshole partners of ours." are now starting to act up. I guess what they could have said here is, that, but we're looking for other partners who are going to be uh, respectful of your privacy. They didn't say that. Either they're not thinking about that, or they think it would be a bad move for their current partners if they were to put that out there. I don't know. But you know, if that were the case, um, I mean, I feel like we're jumping to so many conclusions here, considering the fact that, like I said in the beginning, these guys have been among the most principled ones as far as being a KYC regulated player who's constantly telling users, get to self-custody, get out of this system, you know, mix your coins, stay private, be self-reliant, use our service to buy the crypto. But then after that, you need to get it off the, off the uh, exchange. You need to be private with it. Like considering that's how they've acted for many, many years, it's jumping to conclusions that think that now they're being conspiracy um or they're engaging in some kind of conspiracy against us don't you think i don't think it, they're, they're engaging in conspiracy against us i think 
there's a possibility they're not doing enough. Uh, and they're letting the pressure points of the KYC industrial complex kind of slowly push you where they want you to be. Um, so that's why this fire from Samurai is useful, ultimately. Yeah, this is really fast and just, just say I, I appreciate that that last comment that um, without there being an incredibly impassioned voice that's pro-privacy to the extent that it sounds almost unreasonable, it's just not, it's not going to have the effect of any change. It's, it's not, it's not going to be effective at all. So right now with Swan telling the line of a one potential interpretation of the FinCEN ruling, um, they, they are adopting the stance that, that over-regulation is inevitable and that there's nothing they can do and nothing can be further than the truth. Chris, you yourself, you, you posted a tweet asking about the ricochet feature of, of Samurai. And if there's anything in the FinCEN, uh, in the recent FinCEN release that would that would prevent Swan from using that functionality. And I think a couple of interpretations have come back saying, no, there's nothing, there's nothing about, uh, about using a feature like that, that would violate what FinCEN has laid out and that Swan could reasonably do that. And I think that the reason that there's, that it's warranted all, all the, um, the pushback from, uh, from Samurai is because there are precious few players in the Bitcoin ecosystem that can do what Swan can do. And if they were to add even just a little bit more of a measure of, of privacy friendliness, it would go a long way toward, towards foiling FinCEN's plans to over-regulate Bitcoin, right? To monitor every single on-ramp and off-ramp. Um, anyway, it was a long diatribe, but, but, uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I think that there needs to be like a, a, a vehemently impassioned voice for privacy. Otherwise, uh, it, it dwindles and dies very easily. It's, um, yeah, it's way too easy to, to throw up our hands and say, well, the regulators got it right, so we got to just give up. So I, I think that, yeah, without that, without that massive response and specifically bringing it to the institution that is, uh, you know, the business model is moving this Bitcoin, there's no other party involved, right? FinCEN, their only, their only interest is tightening control. No other party involved has a stake in the outcome and whether Swan realizes it or not, and any of the, uh, like Corey and everybody else uh, at Swan, whether they realize it or not, there will be knock-on effects from compliance to, uh, to unreasonable measures that lead toward uh, KYC, a capture uh, of, of all of the market. Um, and so if it is no longer special to have any exposure to Bitcoin, the native asset in the future, then I guess you're just going to have to go and get some more GBTC or whatever the next, you know, ETFs, as soon as the spot ETF is passed, I guess that makes more sense. Oh, wait a second. Maybe that was the plan the entire time with the only feed you junk derivative and never let you have actual non-custodial access to the native asset. So, so no, I, I, I think that this and maybe even more is a warranted response to what Swan has done. Yeah, and again, like my my real argument with everything that's been going on is that a lot of it is 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 just wrong. You know, like the specific statements that say that Swan has banned users that use Bitcoin mixing is just wrong. Swan specifically said they're not going to be closing accounts of people who do mixing. Their partners are, their custodians are. They don't own those custodians. They don't run those custodians, and they don't make the rules for those custodians. 
yes, they could be researching, are there other custodians that can do better? And if I were them, I would do that. I don't know if they're doing that, but it would be nice if they could tell us that. That would be wonderful. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, I don't see what they've done that's wrong. I don't see it. You know, and I, I understand, like I said before, hardlining against KYC. Okay, because KYC and buying Bitcoin that, that requires KYC through Swan or Kraken or Coinbase or anybody is, is an immoral thing, is the wrong way to use Bitcoin, compromises on your privacy entirely. Uh, once you move into a mixing environment, you're being tracked. They know you've done it. So it's still associated back with you. You can hop 5,000 times. They're still going to figure it out if they want to. Okay? So you're on the list now as a mixer. You're a bad dude. You're doing it. You're doing it. You're, you're, you're trying to be private. You must be a criminal. Right? So if you buy KYC Bitcoin, you go to a mixer, you should assume you're on that list. Okay? Sorry. don't mean to freak you out. But yeah, you're probably there. Um, so hardlining against buying KYC Bitcoin makes a lot of sense. There's more and more ways now to buy no KYC um, Bitcoin. A great website for those uh, listening is uh, um, kycnot.me. Kycnot.me is a good website. It has a bunch of KYC free options for purchasing Bitcoin, using Bitcoin, trading Bitcoin. Uh, and uh, other cryptocurrencies as well. And uh, I get that, okay? But in the meantime, we have to expect that there's going to be these companies that are offering regulated services. Like, we can't just make them disappear. The odds are, based on history, okay, based on just the way the world has gone for the past few hundred years, we have to assume that the vast majority of crypto sales to to end users to retail users is going to be KYC. That's not going to stop as much as we want it to. We could scream till we have no more voice. Okay. But everybody who's coming into the crypto space into the Bitcoin space is new. Okay. And they're coming in because of advertising from Coinbase and Binance and, and crypto.com and all of this stuff. So they're coming in, they're buying crypto there. They're not Get, seeing an ad for KYC not.me and coming in and you downloading BISC and and uh, <laughs> and buying peer-to-peer. -peer. They're just not. Okay? So we have to assume that most of the Bitcoin that's sold is going to continue to be KYC. So, yes, it's great to purchase non-KYC Bitcoin for us. But the, the idea of normalizing mixing after you purchase KYC Bitcoin is something we have to focus on as a community. You know, so when you have an actual regulated KYC buying service like Swan actually promoting mixing, that's such an anomaly that they then turn around and call them effing assholes and call them all the, the every name in the book just because they're part of this system that we hate is counterproductive. We should be encouraging what they're doing. And trying to get every other centralized exchange, custodian, etc. to normalize it. Shouldn't we? Am I crazy here? Because I feel like that's the end game. Like, we're never going to kill the KYC system. We're just not going to, unless we tear down the country, which is a whole separate Twitter space.
we have to expect that it's going to continue to dominate Bitcoin buying. MYB. Yeah, apologies for the adoption there. Yeah. Um, so no, I, I hear what you're saying. I just, I guess I just refuse to believe that it's an intractable problem. Um, and the reason that I refuse to believe it's an intractable problem is the same reason that I refuse to believe privacy, at least within a limited scope of communications, is an intractable problem. We've been fighting this battle since the early 1990s. And I say we loosely, right? The cypherpunks, um, and not just your Tim Mays, but, uh, but I mean, with, with the advent of PGP, it's still around. It still works. You can still encrypt. Now you can even encrypt the headers of your emails uh, and the titles of your emails in ways that you couldn't back then, um, which is, I don't know, it's kind of silly for me to even discuss. Email is such a deprecated standard. I don't know why we even use it anymore. But, um, but the point is, encryption works. It's not fundamentally broken as far as we can tell. Even with the, the uh, rumors of, you know, whatever, 300 plus qubit quantum systems that should ostensibly be able to crack most encryption, um, elliptic, elliptic curves should be able to crack most encryption, which gives us way bigger problems than, than what we're talking about in, in Bitcoin, right? Or cryptocurrency. Because now you're talking about these custodians. They will have problems that are like the likes of which we cannot imagine, right? It's beyond biblical because of how weird the, the modern world is. Um, with computer systems everywhere, right? We're so reliant on tech for everything that 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 cracking the most common types of cryptography would uh, would just shatter the first world. Um, but uh, but yeah, I don't think that these are intractable problems. Uh, be, being able to be more more private uh, in our personal communications and being more private with our with our cryptos I, and being KYC free for a lot of services. I don't think it's an intractable problem. And I do think that calling it inevitable feeds into some other problematic uh, political situations that we've been dealing with since the 1990s. It was about the same time in the early 1990s that the National Security Administration asked for permit openly, asked for uh, permission to cast a, a much broader dragnet across American citizens and just record everything in bulk and essentially spy on American citizens. And we told them no. With due process, we voted against that. They went ahead and built the apparatus anyway and had it in operation for years before Edward Snowden blew the whistle. Um, but most of us could have probably guessed that they were going to do that anyway. The point is, they circumvented due process to do that. I don't think that we should give up now and say KYC, the massive surveillance dragnet, all of, uh, like all of this apparatus that the NSA has put into place, and that now FinCEN is joining, you know, bandwagoning onto as well. Um, I don't think that, that we should just say this is an intractable problem because there are uh, governments and nation states who are interested in, in having this level of surveillance and insight. I, I think that's uh, I, I think it's the wrong approach. I think ideologically, um, it puts us in a position where where we reward we reward the bad actors of government for having first violated our trust, then asked, not even asked for permission, just just told us, yeah, I guess we have this program that we lied to you about, so just deal with it. And then started to broaden their powers through KYC because snooping on all of our other communications wasn't enough for them. They also wanted to correlate that massive data set to our finances. I disagree that this is inevitable or that it's okay or that we should allow it at all. I, I just disagree. And the third party uh, partners of, of SWAN I think the reason that Swan has taken so much heat is because they showed so much ideological alignment with what I just mentioned earlier and with what the Samurai and Ronan Dojo and, uh, and Whirlpool devs are, are working on. They showed so much alignment before 
that now for them to say, well, it's our partners that are doing this. Well, that's not true. As a business, you make decisions about who you partner with. And as you mentioned, yeah, I mean, I can, we got BNY Mellon. They do, they do crypto custody just fine. Hit them up. They have the capacity, right? They can absolutely carry the deal size uh, of almost anything that Swan uh, can throw at them. You don't think BNY Mellon is going to block mixing based on FinCEN guidance? So if they have yeah, FinCEN guidance doesn't doesn't require that. It requires some extra reporting. But I mean, I don't think that's going to result in just blocking of all of all transactions with a history of a coin join somewhere multiple hops back. Uh, they wouldn't be able to unload the government's seized Bitcoin uh, on on exchanges in custody with them if they had a prohibition on ever, you know, taking Bitcoin that's ever been, that's ever been going on. It's just not, it's not possible. Okay. But what I'm asking is why would you believe that one custodian would be less adherent to, to that type of guidance than another, especially a bank? Like, why would you assume that that wouldn't happen? I mean, the guidance just says, the guidance just says file reports about users who use mixers. That's it. Yeah, and let me let me answer the, the question. It's, uh, I think it was directed to me about, about BNY Mellon because that was my suggestion there. So the reason that I would suggest something like that and the reason that, that, that off the cuff, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that BNY Mellon will just fold and say, not only uh, like not only do we have to do the minimum, as was mentioned a moment ago, of reporting that there had been any mixing, but we will prohibit users from doing so. Um, the reason that I think they're not going to cross into that territory is because they are moving in size. It's the same reason that even though we have central and retail banks that have custodied the fiat currency of organized criminals for decades, they're not they're not ratting out their customers as soon as they see that there's some slight irregularity in accounts. And those are actual criminal accounts. Um, coin joins do not connote criminality, right? They, they, the fact that somebody uses any kind of a coin join implementation on Bitcoin doesn't automatically, I mean, it's non sequitur, doesn't automatically follow that they're involved in crime. In fact, I think with the current whirlpool uh, size, um, the current, I think, base number of transactions, UTX says it's going into whirlpool right now. There's, I don't think that it, that it could, you could even possibly reasonably correlate it to any amount of provable crime being done with Bitcoin. They just don't match, right? Um, unlike, say, Tornado Cash, where there were there was so much going through it that it was like, oh shit, maybe this probably is North Korean hackers. Um, unfortunately, at a certain point, but that. Sadly, that that narrative bore out for a short period. But with Bitcoin, I think it's a little less obvious that that's the case. And I think that with BNY Mellon, I don't think that they're going to have a reason to go there right away because they are one of the largest crypto custodians and one of the largest Bitcoin custodians. They'd be shooting themselves in the foot if they limited accounts in that way. I think it's the mid-scale players that right now and below that when there's any kind of an announcement or even a hint of tightening regulation that they jump in line and say, okay, well, well, we'll, we'll comply because we want more business. When you already have the business, compliance is something that you're kind of forced to do. And frankly, it's a pain in the ass. It's only the small time players that think they have to comply in order to get business. I'd recommend folks listening, um, just, just buy your Bitcoin on, on Thorswell. Uh, that's a non-custodial platform, so they don't KYC. And they're not worried about Vincent. Um, though they do have a, they do have a, um, a blacklist for sanctioned addresses that some people in, in crypto and Bitcoin communities hate, and that's fine. But 
uh, you don't have to worry about any of this. And, and you can use your mixer uh, all you want. Send it all straight to Samurai and mix it. Uh, no problem. They also don't take dollars, man. <laughs> That's kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah they're going to get some USDC and send it there. With, uh, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, KYC, USDC. What, what is it? I mean, it's all KYC, man. Everything's KYC now. Yeah, and beyond that, there's also there's also a you mentioned KYC not dot me as one resource. I think another really great one is ATM uh, Coin ATM Radar. So you can and you're gonna pay a premium for this, but here's the thing: it's you value privacy above all else in Bitcoin, and you do think that there's a, a good chance that Bitcoin is going to print new all time highs at some point in the future above what your premium is. Then that shouldn't bother you too much, but. You can still go do spot purchases of Bitcoin at ATMs, 200 bucks at a time uh, to maybe 500, I think is the top amount before you start having KYC requirements for most of the systems. So if you're doing a DCA of sizes below that amount, then, you know, you're good. Yeah. And I also just learned about these uh, Azteco, is that what it's called? Gift cards? I don't know if you guys have heard of that. Um, I know you can get them on g2a.com i believe and some other of these um, websites that sell prepaid codes but you can basically i'm just looking it up as we speak azteco a-z-t-e-c-o uh, you can buy vouchers for bitcoin uh, lightning bitcoin i've never used it i've just heard it talked about i can't vouch for it it's a private company but worth checking out because it's kyc free hey jw do you think that like in the in the case of swan's custodial partners, which we keep talking about, and I, I forget who they even use now ever since the whole uh, prime trust blow up. But um, do you think, I mean, because the FinCEN guidance doesn't say you must block mixed wallets, whatever. It just says, yeah, you need to do better reporting. You need to send us a list of everybody who's who's engaging in mixing, et cetera, et cetera. Is it possible now that we're seeing these custodians blocking these transactions just because they don't want to do that bookkeeping? Because that's what it kind of seems like to me. I think that will happen in some places, but uh, I think some banks will resist to get the money flowing in from customers. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, look, you guys are more optimistic than me. Um, I think from an adversarial point of view, I think about you know, what have we seen? What do we know? What do we know about the world? What do we know about banking? What do we know about regulators and government? And the one thing that we know for sure is that the chips away at our privacy, the chips away at our freedom, um, the chipping away, it, it never stops. It has never stopped. Since the first day that this country was formed, uh, we have slowly been losing freedom autonomy, self-sovereignty, uh, that trend has never reversed. It's reversed in short periods, over short periods, right? But it's it's a bear market for privacy in this country from day one. And now that is spreading to the world, okay? We have very little reason based on historical data to believe that every custodian won't be forced to block mixing related uh, 
wallets or UTXOs or whatever it might be. We have very little reason to believe that. We know there's members of government that want to block self-custody entirely, which is where I think this is ultimately going to go. I think ultimately the end game is is make self-custody illegal, right? Which, and th- we know this is happening. We know this is a movement around the world, around the world, not just in the U.S., but everywhere. Um, there's a movement afoot to make self-custody illegal. Once you make self-custody illegal, none of this matters anymore, right? There is no more mixing uh, because that's obviously illegal because you have to have self-custody to mix. There's no more um, need for um, worrying about um, you know the stuff like AOPP and the stuff that we, we were dealing with, like how do you uh, register your self-custodial wallet so that we know it's yours. We don't have to deal with that. All of a sudden, everything's on a custodian. And now you're a pirate. You're an illegitimate pirate if you're self-custodying. Um, that's where this is ultimately going to go, in my adversarial opinion. So knowing that that's the end game, don't we want to have... I just still feel like I want to go back. I, we should be supporting the partners in this space, the partners that in the regulated space that actually promote the idea of self-sovereignty, of self-custody, of mixing, of privacy, that acknowledge that privacy is dignity and that we shouldn't compromise on it. They are important allies in this fight. I mean, for us just to say, we're going to beat KYC, we're going to beat all this, like, okay, great. We need to have some of that optimism. We need people out there fighting that fight. But the pragmatic approach to this is really to expect that the government's going to win and that we're going to lose and that we need to figure out how long that path before we lose that battle, uh, we can get as many people as possible on our side. And the best way to do that is like the stuff that Swan's doing, you know, by, by spreading that messaging, by promoting self-custody, having automatic withdrawals and stuff like that. So I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I do think that there's a lot to be said for, for being nuanced in this conversation, for not taking a hardline stance, for not being a total dick uh, on these issues, uh, because we are going to lose if we just create this toxic little bubble that's going to ultimately going to be 0.0000001% of the world. And then when your self-custody becomes illegal, uh, it's an even smaller percentage, and then your neighbor's going to find out you're doing shit and you're going to go to jail, et cetera, et cetera. MYB, I'm going down a rabbit hole. <laughs> Yeah, no worries, man. Um, sometimes I struggle to land the plane myself, to, but I appreciate it. So again, uh, taking the other side of this debate, and I've got to say at this point, like I, I do just wholly disagree. I do just completely disagree with the idea that it's inevitable that uh, that regulators will win. By God, they couldn't get people to take the fake vaccine, right? They couldn't get people to take the experimental mRNA shot. Thank God. They couldn't get people to do it, but they couldn't force people to do that when they swore up and down that it was life or death, a life-threatening emergency. They, could, they couldn't get people to do that. They can't get people to not use a VPN on their Netflix account or their HBO Max or Disney Plus account. There are 20 million Netflix subscribers in China using VPNs so they can watch American TV on Netflix. I just, I disagree that it's as cut and dried as you're saying, and then, and as inevitable as you're saying, that KYC will win out, and that there will be no possible other way, and further, that there won't be thousands, 
hundreds of thousands or millions of us who say, you know what? I need the life raft. I don't need the convenience. I just need to not die. I need to preserve the value of my work, which is you know my, my uh, income. I need to preserve that my investments. And I need to be able to transact with others who are not government you know, moles or, or rats who are trying to feed a system of oppression that's getting worse. I think that there will be more people who resist than you've laid out uh, in, in this particular argument. So I just, I just disagree, man. On the most fundamental level, I disagree. There will always be the spirit of resistance. Yeah, I, I just, I would agree with, with, with that. And um, I would say this, this is why, this is why I'm, I, I, I think Samurai's voice is essential. Even when they're being dicks, I still think they're being beneficial because there's a fatal flaw at the heart of Bitcoin. And the fatal flaw at the heart of Bitcoin is that it's traceable. It's imminently easily traceable. It's a transparent record of everything. So without mixing, which is the best tool you have, particularly Koi joins, like Samurai does it. Um, Samurai is the only option right now to, to get any kind of privacy with your Bitcoin. Lightning doesn't give you privacy. Lightning is imminently traceable as well. So, uh, I mean, unless you're wholeheartedly embracing Samurai and saying, you know, lead us up the hill, um, then you're not on our side and you're not, you're not fixing Bitcoin's fatal flaw. Um, and you're just going in this so slow slide that it seems like Swan is not doing much to help with right now. This slow slide toward, um, you know, ostracizing uh, coin joints on, on the Bitcoin blockchain. If, if, that, if that succeeds, it has no, it has no future as a, as a payment system. Maybe it does as, as a KYC store of value, but as a payment system, it, would, it, it has no future without, without Samurai. Would Samurai even exist and would mixing even really, would we even be talking about it if it wasn't for KYC? I mean, it's, it's, it's the, main, the main use of mixing in today's day and age is to, is to um, erase our, our uh, footprints, right? And to, to remove the link uh, with the KYC purchase. You know, and and the the ricochet feature, which for for those who don't know, by the way, Samurai Wallet is a great application. Uh, it's only for Android, and uh, I recommend it. It's it's my favorite Bitcoin wallet, as far as a software wallet goes. Uh, but um, the ricochet feature is specifically designed to give you um, an extra hop or two or whatever you you designate uh, in a transaction. So you want to send Bitcoin to me? Okay, use Ricochet, and it'll have uh, X number of hops before it reaches me. So it'll look like it was these other transactions, et cetera, and it'll hit me, and it won't look like it came from you. So um, that feature is specifically designed for uh, sort of avoiding these types of filters from, from centralized exchanges. So, so much of what Samurai is building is specifically uh, catering to the needs that are created by by the KYC thing. That's not to say that that mixing wouldn't be needed if it wasn't for uh, KYC. We would still want mixing, but it's just such a you know. It, it to me it's it's naive a little bit, and it's uh, it's I just don't see how anybody could believe that this idea of the government controlling things, especially with the, the CBDC trend. I mean, what's going to happen when, when we have a digital dollar, we get rid of the banks, we have accounts with the central bank, we have CBDC, they can add and delete from our account. 
How the hell do you think you're going to use that money? By the way, it's illegal to pay you in anything other than the digital dollar. So if you have a job at the gas station, they're paying you in digital dollars, okay? They're not paying you in Bitcoin or USDC or anything like that. You have to get that digital dollar into into crypto somehow. How are you going to do that? KYC becomes like an afterthought at that point. It's like you have to use one of these designated places to buy crypto Who knows? The government might even end up owning the only places where you can buy crypto. Just like you go to some countries and they own all the alcohol stores. They own all the wine and beer stores. I just was in Canada, so that's why that's on my mind. You go to Canada, you can't buy liquor, alcohol from anybody except the government. Why should we believe that that's not the end game here in the U.S.? We have to think in these terms because if we don't, we're not going to be prepared for it. And in order to, the thing we need to do to prepare for this is to normalize privacy. Like we have to get to that level with people who are KYC adherent. Most people don't have any concept of why they shouldn't want to do KYC. We're at that, we're the 1%, guys. We're like the 1%. The other 99 is just like going about their day like, oh yeah, here's my driver's license. Here's my social. I don't know, whatever. That, I mean, it's like the, the disparity, like you guys are living in a little bit of a fantasy world to be honest with you, as far as what we should expect from normal people. The tyranny of the majority is absolutely real. And MYB, you mentioned like the, the, the COVID jabs and stuff like that. Like that battle is not over. We know that. After COVID, do you know how many startups went into business for themselves and started to try to develop tools that they could sell to the government to better coerce us into getting jabs the next time, <laughs> it's a big business now, and they're they're working on it as we speak. And some of those people are working in crypto, by the way, with the whole decentralized identity, you know, your your um, your soul bound tokens and all that bullshit. Like that problem is not going away, and the government is going to end up winning it. It's up to us to figure out how we can evade it, uh, but we have to think adversarially. We can't be optimistic about this stuff. You're absolutely right, but that's precisely why, like like you said, why we need to come up with a songbook that we all read from, right? In terms of privacy first and accepting nothing less than privacy, yeah, we do have to, I mean, even if some of the solutions aren't perfect, as I mentioned earlier, Bitcoin itself was not designed to be private. Hal Finney, dude, he spent less than two weeks with the code base before he declared that it had an anonymity problem. Right, like his words are infamous. Still, how is it possible that Bitcoin is still not more anon- anonymous or private than when Hal Finney tweeted about it? Kind of crazy, right? I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll definitely agree there. I'll concede there that it's kind of crazy that Bitcoin has not been able to successfully add privacy. Mimble Wimble, um, you know, ain't it right? Uh, Litecoin tried it with the MWeb extension, didn't work out, and then yeah, there was a bunch of saber rattling from exchanges about how if you're on Litecoin and you use the MWeb extension then you are in trouble, right? We, we, don't, want, we don't want those uh, Litecoins here. But, uh, but I'm just going to agree that, yes, it, it, is, it is naive to think that we can win against huge forces unless we're organized. And the organization needs to be around privacy first. And that's why Samurai has had such a furious and impassioned response towards Swan. Because if Swan makes excuses for third-party partners that aren't even, aren't, aren't even like their own portfolio companies, they're third-party partners. They're vendors, for good, for God's sake. They can be replaced with other vendors. So if your core business model is you want to support privacy first, then fucking show it. 
and Swan can do better. They really can. We don't need to make excuses for groups like Swan and their executive team, right? They're crying themselves to sleep at, you know, seeing, seeing KYC win, they're crying themselves to sleep with, uh, you know, with thousand dollar bills and what will ultimately be golden parachutes from their position at this, this company. Yeah, but shouldn't a better, wouldn't a better response to this, a more adult response and a less infantile response be to look at Swan, see their messaging about mixing, see their advocacy for privacy and self-sovereignty and self-custody and say to them, hey, maybe you guys should integrate some of our tools into your service. Maybe you guys should offer Ricochet as part of your withdrawal service from Samurai. Maybe Samurai and Swan could actually work together to give people who want to use their US dollars, want to use their euros, whatever, to purchase Bitcoin, uh, give them a way to mix on the way out, like, or to, to jump, to, to do the hops needed to, to get right into a mix. Like, that would be the way. They don't need to go ahead. With, with Samurai to do that. They can do that on their own, the same way Sparrow connected up to Whirlpool. Well, who the hell would want to work with Samurai after the way he's been talking to Swan? <laughs> like it's like you don't have to work with samurai at all you can connect straight to whirlpool on your own yeah but whirlpool is samurai and if i was swan i wouldn't touch any samurai stuff right now i mean maybe you know we need more options first of all we can't just have the samurai option and the wasabi option like that's like that right there i mean having why is it so toxic why is this whole space so ridiculous I think part of it is that the, I mean, is that it's been proven time and time again that Wasabi is actually not a privacy solution. So that's why it's not even worth mentioning them anymore in this conversation. So why why is Samurai the only game in town? Because the uh, because the other game was fake, didn't work. Yeah. Okay. Fine. If you want to be a Samurai Maxi, fine. But I mean, there are options in the space, and everybody's got their own idea on what's the best and what's not. I prefer Samurai as well, Samurai's implementation of CoinJoin. Um, but the bottom line is, like, uh, the space is a mess. Like, right now, we're, we're losing because they're so, it's so fractured. And, you know, the right thing to do, the mature thing to do would be to try to get more people who purchase using KYC uh, to move into a privacy environment immediately, immediately. But right now, it's, it's a, that's not happening and it's lost. I don't want to beat it too much but i mean the the messaging in the space is so ridiculous it's like embarrassing i think of the samurai at least the samurai twitter handle as like the saul guerrera of this space right saul guerrera in star wars the revolutionary that is the purest and that often does a lot of friendly fire to his own side right okay fine but maybe a revolution needs people like that i mean especially on the on the privacy side of this revolution which so many bitcoiners kind of forget about like you said chris yeah, it's just it alienates people, and um, it give, you know there's there was an opportunity here. I think there was a massive opportunity here to see Swan maybe, and there still is to see Swan integrate some sort of a privacy uh, feature. Um, but they're never going to work with Samurai now. I think you know uh, my point of view on on privacy and and individuals is that absolutely nobody is going to give a crap about privacy until they need it. You know, and I think that COVID woke a lot of people up and made a lot of people understand, hey, I do need to have some separation from the government. Uh, 
and that they need to seek out ways to do it. But that's still such a small fraction of, of, of you know, who we're talking about. Most people who, who uh, objected to the vaccines and the mandates and stuff like that, the vast majority of them still don't fully understand why they should be uh, moving out of the dollar. Because if they did, they would have all gotten into Bitcoin immediately. You know, so I think that we still have a long, long, long way to go. Um, I am a very cynical, um, skeptical, pessimistic person when it comes to, to human nature, you know, and I think, you know, I tweeted this the other day. I think that the founders of our country, the U.S., uh, recognized the reality that most humans are idiots. Most humans are stupid. Most humans don't understand the world as it exists. They don't understand the forces that are working against them in the world. And they never will. They'll just live in their little bubble. They'll live their soulless sort of dead lives. They'll go from you know birth to grave doing what they do. We know who we're talking about here. It's the NPCs you see every day when you're walking around. You feel like you're the only one that actually knows what's up. Um, that's never going to change. And it's only going to get worse the more people exist on the planet. And those are the people, that group, the NPCs, the dead-eyed people that you saw during COVID with a mask on when they didn't need it, they're the ones who are going to tyrannize us because there's more of them than us. They control the governments. They control the military. They control the guns. We are always going to be the sort of small group, sort of private, uh, privacy-seeking pirates out there trying to figure out how to live in a way that is not completely controlled by a government. And we have to continue to expect that that's going to happen or else we're going to get caught off guard. You know, and ultimately, you know, the, the, the founders of this country came up with the Constitution, which they thought was the best, most idiot-proof form of government that we could have. And they were right. Based on the 17, late 1700s, that was the best they could do. You know, but they also knew that we were probably going to lose it because people never stop being dumb. People never stop being dumb. And it's the same with this. And that's why I'm bearish on uh, Bitcoin from the continuity point of view. I think that um, it's ultimately just a matter of time until the brand gets co-opted by either a government or BlackRock or somebody out there who brainwashes most of the world into thinking their form of Bitcoin is Bitcoin. And all of a sudden we're out on the fringes again and again and again until we're, we're sort of knocked down. The question is, how big is that bubble going to be at the end? And is it going to be enough for us to form a new society, you know, basically? And I hope the answer is yes. Um, MYB, I see your hand up. Oh, just, just, a, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to go like full Pinkerton here and say that it's the best time to be alive ever in the, the history of humanity. There, no, there, absolutely, there are, there are. There are man-made horrors beyond, beyond our comprehension. I'll quote Tesla instead, right? We we have lived to see man-made horrors beyond our comprehension. Like you say, even the best of us, even the most uh, the most uh, like intellectually superior of us, is kind of befuddled by some of the way modern life is because it's needlessly complex. There's so much that doesn't make sense, right? Um, just from an evolutionary perspective, a lot of the shit that we do day to day, totally unnecessary to living a full and complete life. You can go out to the middle of nowhere, right? An uninhabited or, or previously uncontacted tribe and live your best life, leaving a lot of this crap behind, probably. Um, but it is what it is. We're here. 
right? And I, I disagree that um, I disagree that it's all it's all bad or that it's even wrong that there's only one percent of us. So Henry Ford, right? He's got the famous quote on on finance, right? Uh, saying it's well enough that the people of our nation don't understand the banking monetary system. For if they did, I believe there would be a revolution before tomorrow morning. He was right. He had a figure. He was a very intelligent guy, right? Very forward-thinking guy for his time, especially, right? Able to manipulate the world around him and make it better. But it takes people like that who are unreasonable, who are going against the grain, who don't agree with the status quo, who, if they decided to just ask people what they wanted and listen to them and try to give them what they wanted, he would have just gotten them a faster horse. But that guy was saying that the finance and monetary system was fucked. He was saying that 100 years ago. And I think that it's probably fine. There's only a few of us that understand it. And that, as you said, the rest of the NPCs are content to go work a minimum wage job, flipping burgers, getting zero upper mobility, not improving their, their intellectual capacity. I guess that that's just, those are the conditions that we live in. But I don't think that that describes most people in this room. I don't think that describes most people who show a genuine interest in the native asset of Bitcoin. I don't think that that, that describes most people who have the mental and uh, an and in, intellectual and emotional ability to custody their own cryptos. It doesn't describe them at all, right? By definition, we all took the red pill. Everybody who's listening to this or, or whoever will listen to this space, already they already gobbled a, 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 a jar full of red pills. So everybody that, that within the sound of your voice, in my opinion, needs to know that you, that you will fight for privacy and that you'll help uplift them and educate them and onboard them into the next level of privacy because they will go be the emissaries in their sphere of influence that can maybe save 1% of their connection graph. Um, and it, it might only propagate 1% at a time. It might only be fractions of a fraction of the population. And it might only propagate in that way, almost, almost like some weird new age crypto MLM or something, um, network marketing cult or something. Uh, which I'm sure we, you know, you already get those accusations at Thanksgiving dinner. So I guess prepare yourself, mm. right? Right around the corner. But like, but you know what I mean, right? We, we were all of us, we've already drunk the Kool-Aid. We've already swallowed the red pill. We, yes. we are capable of doing better. I, I completely agree with all of that. I, I think that, you know, if you're here, you've chosen to be here. You're in this space because you chose to be here and you get it. You're enlightened. You really are enlightened. Um, but you have to recognize what a small minority you're in, you know, and you have to recognize that we are never going to get to a place where most of the world gets it ever, ever. And most of the world runs, runs the government, right? We don't run the government and we never are going to run the government. We're always going to be under the gun and we have to start thinking about things in those terms and we need to grow our ranks. So yeah, we need to bring more people into this mindset, but we have to look for where they are. And right now they're on KYC exchanges. You know, so we need to think about how do we move people over. Let me just quickly read a couple of replies that came from BTC X Zelko, uh, who is um co-founder of Ronin Dojo. Um, which you're welcome to take a mic, but I don't think you want to. Um Chris Black thinks that Whirlpool's main purpose is to get rid of KYC Bitcoin. You clearly don't understand the why you clearly don't understand why transactional privacy on a public blockchain is important. And Whirlpool does not magically remove you from the KYC list. KYC is forever. I think I acknowledged that before where I said that 
you purchase KYC crypto, you move it into a mixer, you're on the list of people who've used a mixer. Yeah. So um, I don't understand why you think I don't understand transactional privacy. I, I don't know. I, I do. Uh, and then but I'm going to just be, be a little bit a little bit bold and do a, a tiny bit of interpretation on Zelko's behalf. He's not going to take the money. That's the role that I'm playing here, right? Um, so I'll... Let me read his uh, his second part because there's just two parts and then you can do that because I, I think that would be good. And uh, I guess later he's, he got more frustrated, effing pathetic. There's a difference between warriors and talkers. Samurai Wallet is the only player in the privacy game because they are fighters, ruthless. If you hand wave shit, you are against them. It's what makes them great. Zero complying. Seth gets it. Seth. Seth. Okay. Well, anyway. I've been invoked. I have to. I have to comment now, which I appreciate. I, I take it as a compliment. I take it as a high compliment. Uh, considering that everyone's got emotions running high right now, I take that as a as a tall a tall compliment. Um, but l- let me let me just say this. I think that he's right with the first comment. I don't think that it that it's baseless. And I think that Chris, in your response, you uh, you said no. I do get it. But earlier in the conversation, you had mentioned one of the primary reasons for using CoinJoin is to erase ties to KYC. Um, of course it is. That's why most people use CoinJoin right now. Uh, well, I, you know, I don't know that that's confirmed. And I think that anybody who's operating the, the Whirlpool will maybe have more insight into that. But help me understand. So what what data are you pulling that from to to say that it's, it's common sense? It's common sense. The The main reason that people use mixers currently is to remove KYC links. It's like the, you know, it's in the marketing. Uh, it's out there. Like it's the main reason. So if we, if you purchase no KYC Bitcoin, uh, you have much less of a concern because you're already separated. You've already removed those links. Why would we think there's another reason that would be the primary reason? I'm not saying it's the only reason. There's plenty of reasons why you would want to mix your coins. But I will say that the primary, hang on, the primary reason that people use mixers today, I don't know why people would be uh, repellent of this concept. It's so obvious. The main reason people use it today is to separate themselves from the KYC links from when they purchase their Bitcoin. Okay. So let me, yeah. Let me go ask for the mic too. Oh, great. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to put words in his mouth. He's uh, very capable. So let me just give some uh, some counterpoint from my perspective. I know one person <laughs> who became a Monero Maxi. <laughs> this is before Whirlpool was was broadly adopted and broadly promoted, but they became a Monero Maxi precisely because they purchased Bitcoin OTC, not KYC, but they purchased it in an OTC transaction face-to-face with somebody, and they did not know that those coins were tainted. They attempted to use them at retail. They were rejected and their account was flagged. They weren't familiar with the concept of coin taint until it, it was just staring them dead in the face. That's one anecdote. Another anecdote, I don't like buying KYC Bitcoin for the most part. I have some, um, but frankly, that's an obfuscation technique. I'm never going to use it. It's going to sit in the wallet. That's, that's, uh, that's, what I, that's me rendering unto Caesar um, you know, what is Caesar's. The rest of my Bitcoin holdings are not purchased with KYC. I'm not ever going to mix those. I don't, I don't see it. I don't see a point in, in mixing those KYC Bitcoin. And 
So maybe I'm an edge case based on what you're saying is obvious, Chris, but, but you know what I do mix? I mix Bitcoins that I get from other sources because I cannot, uh, I cannot determine provenance at the point of sale if I'm handing somebody else cash and they're just sending me a UTXO. So uh, that's why I use mixing is to make my Bitcoin fungible again, based on the personal connection that I have with somebody who did just that and got burned because the coins were tainted. Sure. No, that's a totally valid and, and useful reason to use it. Go ahead, uh, Zelko. Yeah. So it's, it's exactly what Seth is saying, right? So I actually gave a, a talk on this, ironically, at um, Pacific Bitcoin hosted by Swan. Um, so the irony doesn't uh, cease to exist on me, but the mixing is not just about like your KYC stack. In fact, like it's you as a user should know that if you're mixing your KYC stack, yeah, you're getting forward privacy, which is what you want, but you should want forward privacy from everything. So just as Seth is saying, if I'm receiving Bitcoin, um, if I'm getting paid in Bitcoin, I don't want the, uh, the person who sent it to me to be able to follow my transaction, right? I want privacy from them. Same thing when I go to pay someone else, I don't want them to look at my transaction and be able to go backwards and see what my transaction history is like. So it's two ways and it goes on both sides. It's a public blockchain and that's what my post is referring to. This is a public blockchain that you can see forward and backwards, right? You need to be able, you can follow people because now, right, if, if I send Seth Bitcoin for whatever reason, I can just sit there and watch that UTXO and see what happens with it. I can trace it, see what he's doing. If he's smart, he immediately world pulls it or, you know, uses some other techniques that he can use because there's some cool stuff to do. But if he's world pulling his stuff, I'm done. That that's to me, that's the end of it. That's the end of the line. And I can't continue to to follow it. It's not worth it. But if I can see that he's sending it to um, you know, an exchange that I know that he's at. I'm like, okay, I have that. Obviously for me as an individual, that doesn't fucking mean anything for me. Right. But, um, as this information comes out, or if I'm, if I'm an exchange, right. And I s send you your Bitcoin, then you take two hops and, you know, you end up sending it to, um, somewhere that the, uh, chain analysis has said, oh, oh that's a, a gambling site flagged, right like ban his account, all those types of things. And it doesn't have to just be an exchange, right? But anybody can opt to use chain analysis just like Wasabi does. So like they have the endpoints, they have the different endpoints that are marked and flagged as, as bad, right? You want to get rid of those, no matter who your source, whether you're paying or receiving a Bitcoin, you want to keep your stack clean. And that's what I'm talking about. That's why I said what I said, because if you think that, that, Samurai invented or came up, like developed a whirlpool solely because of KYC services. That's moronic. That's, like, that's said, the dumbest though. take. That, I mean, that's what you implied. Like you said, it's, I'll um, tell you what I said. I'll tell you what I said. Let me rephrase. I'm sorry. I did misquote you. I apologize. You said, Where would Samurai be without KYC services? Where would whirlpool be without that? Like that's, yeah, they would that's, be much less used. That's not true. Okay. That's not true. You don't know, you like, that just tells me you don't know the community and you don't know what people do. Mm -hmm. The vast amount of people that, that are users are all people that are taking all the steps to be private. 
that's like the same edge case that people try to make about um, people running nodes on uh, and being samurai users, just because it's not the default. We've and we found out when the when the server went down that eighty plus percent, right, were uh, eighty plus percent of whirlpoolers were uh, were running their own node. So like, I, I just like I can't take that take seriously because it's just it's counterintuitive to saying that people who want privacy are going to short cycle. Yeah, are there going to be some? Of course. But the vast majority... Why does it hurt you? I don't understand why you're so adverse to this idea. I didn't say any of that, dude. I didn't say Samurai wouldn't exist if not for KYC. I said most people that come in and want to use these privacy tools are doing so because they want to escape the, the, the ties back to their KYC. Maybe they'll go on to use it for other purposes too, which you just outlined a bunch and Seth did too, which they should. And hey, in the best case scenario, you just keep your Bitcoin mixing forever, like you said, and spend from that. Great. Okay, that's wonderful. But most people are even caring about privacy in the first place because of the KYC element. They want to break that link. I don't know why that would hurt you or upset you to to acknowledge that because it's not that's not factually correct you don't break there's no way to prove this one way or another you're well you're trying to state that that people are under the impression that if you whirlpool your stuff that yes you might have a break in the link of moving forward and what you can spend on and them seeing it but you forget the fact that we consistently push both from the run-in side and the samurai side, the KYC is forever. That list of how much you bought at that given time is forever. So like you spend it, you need to then be able to tell when they come knocking on your door, you know, some people will comply easier than others. Like they're going to ask you, where's your coins? What'd you spend it on? Right? Like that, that's going to happen. So like, that's, that's exactly why, Every time. And at that same event, the same exact question asked, well, what do we do with the KYC stack? And it's either you keep it as a KYC stack, you have your your homage to Caesar, as uh, Seth said, or right, you sell it back and then build a new stack. I get this every single event, all the time. Never once is it, oh yeah, you have KYC, go ahead and mix it and you're good to go. Like that's, That is not, that might be how people start with very small amounts, but that, that is not the case. Because people people want to to buy no KYC, they want to be as private as possible. When they become samurai users, they're going down that rabbit hole. Like that is the fact. Like that that's the exact case. So like the what what you said was an inflammatory statement to try to get a reaction, right? Of well, okay, like samurai slamming on Swan, but where would like say whirlpool usage would be too low without it? Like that's silly. My point was that the best market to find people who are going to be interested in, like, you're talking as if people, like the most people in the world, actually give a shit. Like, they don't. And I think that the best place to pull people in from is an exchange where they just KYC'd. If you just KYC'd and you bought Bitcoin, and all of a sudden you see a message that says, now the next step is to break that link, use these tools. That's where you're going to get the most people to come into the privacy world. You guys, as much as I respect, you know I respect you and you know I respect Samurai. But you guys are looking at this from the point of view of like, either you're completely 100% full on freaking psycho, 
level privacy or you're a complete dickhead asshole. Like there's a 99.9% of the world is in the complete dickhead asshole part of that. Okay. And if we're not trying to pull them over in sometimes subtle ways, which you guys are terrible at, no offense. Uh, if we're not trying to do that, if we're not trying to forge partnerships with, with businesses like Swan that get it, then we're never going to build our army. We're never going to have millions of people that give a crap, ever. You know, right now we're dealing with hundreds or thousands. We're not dealing with the, the numbers that we would need in order to survive if the big attack comes, which it will. Banning self-custody is going to happen, and it's going to happen at gunpoint. And are we going to be ready for that? I don't know. But um, MYB, Seth, go ahead. This, for me, it kind of does boil down to, uh, like, which customer avatar, which which persona are we really referring to when we when we talk about any criticisms that you might have about the Samurai team or the Rona Dojo team or about the Whirlpool or anybody who's privacy focused in Bitcoin or privacy focused at all, right? Because we because um, if I'm wearing you know if I'm wearing whatever the uh, the Bitcoin right uh, family reunion T-shirt, uh, then I've, I've got to make a nod over my cousins who are wearing the Monero family reunion T-shirt that are in the audience. Um, privacy advocates, uh, they tend to uh, at least acknowledge each other, right? It, it is, there's a little bit of fracturing uh, in the community, but they acknowledge each other. And like you're saying, if what we're talking about is people just getting exposure to Bitcoin at all, then you're right. You would be right if that's the only customer avatar there is, but there's not. And again, the audience that is interested in privacy, they already know that they need to look for the best possible tools. They, they acknowledge that it's an adversarial environment. And they acknowledge that, yeah, there are tens of thousands of IRS agents that were hired and are being armed ostensibly on this question of Bitcoin right, or, or crypto assets. That uh, That's really why they were hired, right? The IRS has shown that they, uh, they're, they're, they're showing increasing interest since 2019, first putting the question about digital assets on the, uh, the, 10, the, the Form 1040. Here in the United States, and I don't know what the CRA is doing in Canada about all that yet, um, but here in the United States, they've kind of been showing their hands since 2019 on some level. So yes, there is some kind of a fight coming. Hopefully, it never comes to like a physical fight. Um, but if it did, you said that the government has all the guns. That's also patently false. Here in the United States, we a private ownership of firearms dwarfs the government ownership of firearms here, and that's. So just to be very clear, like that's not ever going to be the, half the reason ostensibly that um, that we don't have more draconian measures here in the United States is precisely because our government still has something of a healthy fear of its own citizens. Heaven help us if uh, you know if we stop having that at least. And I think that some of these tools like Samurai and Ronin Dojo, right, the ecosystem that's being built there, I think that they're very they're similar arms that we can wield against oppressive regimes and it's part of what keeps them on you know on the back foot when i was at um the decentral event in 2021 miami uh, it was the week of art basil i ran into a couple of irs special agents i mean hashtag you know bull market vibes i guess bull market things but these irs agents were recruiting they were trying to find intelligent people right who work in the industry who could either freelance uh you know moonlight with them or just potentially go native with the IRS. At least at that time, they admitted to me 
that they were so far behind the eight ball that they just they just didn't know how they were going to catch up at that moment. I mean, I know that a lot has developed since then, but where I'm going with all this is just to say the only defense that we have is to be a credible threat to these people, right? The whole speak, speak quietly, carry a big stick. The big stick is firearms. The big stick is coin joint and whirlpool. The big stick is Monero, maybe. The big stick is potentially some some other uh, like the cross chain atomic swaps between Bitcoin and Monero. The the big stick is potentially future extensions of Bitcoin or or wallet layers that allow for for uh, zk proofs or for you know or for Mimble Wimble extensions or whatever else is necessary or or one that a novel implementation that I haven't actually seen uh, in the wild yet is BLS signatures that improve privacy. There's so many ways to add privacy, and I think that the only real defense that we have, it, it's definitely not compliance. It is definitely letting those who would govern us know that we are not defenseless and that we're not harmless. So um, anyway, I just wanted to jump back and mention that, yeah, that uh, the Second Amendment, it it reinforces the first and all, all other rights in our Bill of Rights here in the United States anyhow, um, and that it's not granted by government. It's merely protected and enumerated by government and acknowledged by government. Um, and then same with code. Code is not law. It is speech. And that's protected under law. So yeah, these are tools that we use defensively. Hey, Seth, I agree with everything you said. I'll give you guys a, se- a chance in a sec. Um, but you pay, you're American, right? Yes. I'm still proud to say that. And you pay your taxes, right? I pay every, I, I pay every just tax and I obey every just law. Yes. You pay income tax. I pay every just tax and I obey every just law. Why do you pay the tax? When it's represented, I pay it because it's been represented and that's the law of the land. That's why we broke off from the UK. Okay. Let me give you, let me give you the, the real answer that you're not giving. You pay tax because you don't want to go to jail. You pay tax because you know that if you don't, then they're going to show up at your door with guns and you're not going to pull your gun out and shoot them. You're going to go with them. You're free to answer for yourself. I don't accept <laughs> that you would put words in my mouth. This is why people pay taxes, okay? Because ultimately, we're all frogs in boiling water. And people, and I fully, you guys know, I'm fully on board with the Second Amendment, with pushing back on the government, with telling it to go to hell with all this stuff, with building tech that makes them irrelevant, taking power away as much as we can, I'm there. But at the same time, I'm realistic, okay? And I can see what's been going on over the past 100 years. And I can see we are already in a world where you can't get in your car and drive without having a tiny little card with your picture on it. We're already in a world where if a cop tells you to pull over your car, you're required to. They're about to install kill switches in cars that lets the government just shut you off if they don't like the way that you're driving. They already tell us what kind of light bulbs we can use. All the, They tell you what kind of toilet you have to have. And we comply over and over and over. And, you know, we can have a hundred guns in our closet, but we're still complying every day. So this is why I don't have faith in humanity to figure this out in the long term. I think it's ultimately going to be a very small percentage of us that do, and I want that army to grow. 
And the best way to grow that army is recruiting from the people who are going through KYC and who are, who are, um, are looking for ways to now separate themselves. Um, yeah, I just want to be gonna, clear that I, I I actually don't I actually don't use the government mandated toilets. I piss on my neighbor's lawn <laughs> just to just to assert dominance. <laughs> Thank you for the levity, uh, JW. Did you have something? And then Zelko again. Well, I I think the uh, the only thing that will save us is is two things: technological innovation and legal constraints that flow from the Constitution and separation of powers. I, I, I mean, I love the Second Amendment. I own guns, but uh, I don't think that's the fix here. Um, so I, I, I hope we continue to build toward, uh, places that are protected by legal restrictions. Uh, that means non-custodial building towards non-custodial building toward decentralized building toward peer-to-peer. There are already cases protecting peer-to-peer transfer. Um, I know it looks, it often looks bleak and it seems like every, the government always wins, but they don't always win. Um, and, and I, you know, that's my hope with, with the KYC beast. Uh, the, the entirety of KYC law is premised on a custodial relationship. And uh, I know eventually they're going to try to say that uh, DEXs are custodial too. Smart contracts mean custody. I hope that we prevail on the idea that smart contracts that are, that are controlled by the user ultimately are not custodial. And therefore, there's no KYC requirement on them. And that get, continues to give us an onboarding tool. We haven't mentioned SideShift, but I, I love SideShift.ai. Uh, connects to MoonPay, uh, so it's it's another on ramp, not KBC on ramp worth thinking about. But anyway, um, technological innovation that 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 moves into the space protected by law, and continued legal fights to protect the right to code and the right to build decentralized non custodial, uh, and continued technological innovation like Ricochet, and fighting on the legal front uh, to to preserve the benefit of Ricochet for those. Uh, those those uh, you know, samurai and sparrow users uh, who who uh, um, you know, continue to operate in two worlds in in the in the in the um, the, the fiat world and the non fiat world. Um, so yeah, that's my hope is is uh, continued technological innovation, building toward decentralized and non custodial, and, um, and 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 privacy preserving technology. We haven't talked about Zcash yet, but if you really want to start a fight, let's talk about. I, mean, I love Monero, Zcash, and Whirlpool, um, but they none of those communities seem to like each other much. Although Whirlpool did implement the great atomic swaps from Monero, which is awesome um, on on Sanro. Um, but yeah, I think those two things are are the future that I. That's where I'm gonna fight. Yes, that's another Twitter space for sure. And before I give it to Zelko again, I just want to throw out there, like I, it's very, very easy to listen to what I say and think that I'm anti this or anti that, but God damn, I don't know how else to put this. I believe the best way to strengthen everything that we're talking about here is to think about it as if we're going to lose. Because if we do think about it as if we have the forces of the world coming at us, we are going to build the strongest possible shit that uh, way stronger than we would ever need. And that's just where my head goes, you know? And it's it's why I typically fail as a leader of an organization because I'm so negative on this shit. But um, that's the way. So I don't want people to get the idea that I'm anti this or anti that or pro KYC. But this is just, I think it's the best way to build is to think we got the forces of the world trying to kill us and we need to build something that can fight back. Zelko. So just... Um so uh, a couple things, but um, if 
if the whole point is to build something that can't be co-opted, why would we allow for people to hand wave and continue to comply immediately before there's even regulations supporting it? Like that's why, why would we comply earlier than necessary? We as in Swan in this case. I'm confused by the question. I mean, Swan is telling us what their banking partners are doing, right? So why not change banking partners? Why, why maybe, just make, maybe why they go are the easy way. Why what is the easy, the easy way? way? What, what, what do you mean easy way? The easy way? way is to comply and start flagging all your people. People okay, that are coming to mixers and whatnot. If Swan has banking and custodial, and I don't know the back office stuff. I don't know what's going on. But let's say they have banking partners, custodial partners that call them up. Okay, today's Tuesday. They called them Friday and said, hey, guess what? We're blocking people who are within one hop from a mix. Okay, Swan sends an email Monday telling their clients what their banking partner said. Maybe at the same time, they start researching ways to get around. Maybe they're listening to this Twitter space and they're like, holy shit, we need to change partners. Like, we don't know what's going on. All they did was say what their partners said. And then they warned their clients because they want their clients to keep mixing. So what, what, should, have, what should have happened is immediately had the action plan. And they should have known that this day would have come anyways. I and think they said the that. The point, is, the point that is that the, the easiest thing to do is to comply, right? Even if it's early, even if there's no law, right? It's the fear that they're going to lose, you know, whatever banking that they have. That's the biggest fear of any KYC service. And you, you make these statements, you made some statements earlier to say that like, uh, you know, the Samurai and Ronin guys are so anti, like we hate everybody that isn't hardcore privacy and that that's vehemently like false. Like, of course we don't support the services. Like we're not going to go advocate, tell people to go buy KYC. No, it would never happen. But we're also not stupid. I, and I speak for myself when I say that, like we acknowledge that there, that that is a place that that is a, a, uh, inevitable evil that we've opened the Pandora's box for that we can never unopen. There's always going to be an easy onboarding on, uh, onboarding process that involves KYC. Because that's, that's easy money, right? There's, there's money to be made there and it's easy, right? So that will never not exist. We understand that, right? And most people, most users is who we talk to, right? It's the people that hand wave that know better and the hand wave that we have issues with. We have people that like, that's because we are fighting the fight. We're the people like Seth is saying, right? Building the tech, doing, going out on the forefront and, and, and honestly, like, and I think you even said in one of your podcasts uh, with Samurai, you you were like, "Aren't you afraid, right? Or aren't you worried about being arrested?" Whether it is or not, right? Like, we're the ones on the front line. We're the ones that are doing it. We're the ones that are taking these chances and fighting the fights. So when we see people who kind of talk out of both sides, right, or hand wave stuff, or comply earlier than necessary, right? It's it's a slap in the face to everything that people have done. It's a slap in the face to this movement that you want to build this, um, this army. An army is being built. You can better, you can sure as fuck believe that. But it's not this, um, this comply and it's gonna like live to fight another day. Like, don't get me wrong. There's a time and place for live to fight another day. But you can do it in a fucking way that gives the fucking middle finger to people and tell them to fuck off without without having to actually close your fucking doors. 
And as far as it goes with building with community, building with these other people, like we have had, I personally have had conversations with um, developers at Swan to implement Paynet, to implement um, TV. I even talked to them at the Swan event about, or the, the PB23 about implementing Whirlpool because they're going to, they would, they said they were going to start to have their own, their own custody of certain stuff. So they could implement stuff like that. They would have more freedom to do it. I was advocating for that. So like, you know, people make, try to make this assumption that we don't, you know, we don't like fucking like anybody else. And that's, it's not about that. It's literally about principle and about what people actually stand for. And no one knows where your principles are until push comes to shove, right? Until the fucking shit hits the fan. That's when your, your principles show. And that's why when you look at the samurai team, you look at what the the samurai tele like telegram or te- not telegram uh, Twitter fucking intern posts on here, and you see him calling people out. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's calling people out who have weak principles and who are lying and are just not in the fight with us. Because the the reality is that we're fighting for all the people, all the users out there, everybody that needs this stuff, that wants this stuff, that wants privacy, that wants a hardcore fucking free. Um, free money, right? Freedom of money rather, right? That's what we're fighting for. So like we could give a shit less whether people like us. Period. So uh with that I do have to bounce, but uh I just want to for joining. I'll just say before you go, like, you know, my problem right now is that that take is is the the red line is far too close to to your side of things to the point where now I who have advocated for privacy my entire adult life, who, you know, one of the most outspoken um, supporters of Samurai and your product, um, I now find myself on the other side of the red line where I've been accused of lacking principles, you know, not caring about privacy. So I would reevaluate where that line is and start to think about how can we potentially bring people from the other side. I hear what you're saying, though, and I, I, I respect what you're saying. So I know you have to go. We'll try not to talk about you anymore. <laughs> well, you can talk to it if you want. It's all good. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, and we're going to wrap this up. So I don't want it to go over like two hours. Um, Eric, you had joined. Did you have a comment? Yeah, I, I wanted to chime in when you guys were discussing uh, what kind of uh, protections we have against this type of encroachment. And I, I joined a little bit late, so I'm sorry if this came up, but I heard uh, some gentleman speaking about the Second Amendment being effective for this. And I kind of disagree based on historical precedent set in the U.S. So if you look at Zimmerman and the export wars, you know, he was in violation of uh, arms trafficking. He fought on First Amendment grounds. And in addition to that, the the U.S. has a history of violating privacy. So you look at uh, the Snowden revelations, the Patriot Act, uh, the NSA's prison program, all that, all these programs were active in the U.S. And the Second Amendment was ineffective to defend against those. So I think it's encryption and the right to code that's the most effective uh, approach to this stuff. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to just just uh, take that one head on because maybe you relate the space but I had mentioned that prior to to uh, even talking about the second amendment and bringing up the second amendment just to show that there is a will to fight and to show also that uh, there was that was in response to something earlier. So Maybe you jumped into the space a little bit late. Uh, maybe you didn't hear it, but before that point, um, I 
yeah, it, it was it was part of a rebuttal to a claim that uh, that the American people are outgunned, and that is just factually incorrect. It's just not even close to true. There are hundreds of millions of privately owned firearms in this country, and they uh, they outnumber uh, firearms, at least small arms. They outnumber uh, small arms that are in possession of the private sector or the uh, public sector. I think my I think it's a it's a ratio of something like one to four, uh, possibly even more one to five. So that was my point in bringing that up earlier. I didn't. Uh, I don't know that it, if I did hint at uh, the Second Amendment, rather, or uh, people owning firearms being the means of defending cryptocurrency, then I misspoke. Uh, or if I framed it in a way that was ambiguous, then then that was not the right frame. But that wasn't my point at all. I will just say, you know, Eric's kind of echoing the point I was making before, where you know we can be as principled as we want. We can have as many guns as we want. We can we can be the strictest constitutionalist, pro-privacy, whatever that we want. But at the end of the day, we're still taking off our freaking shoes to get on an airplane, okay? We're still following all of these stupid regulations and stupid laws. We're still allowing our transactions over $600 to be reported to the IRS. And we're not walking around shooting people over it. Okay, because with every passing year, we, even us, even the hardest of the hardcore people having these conversations, even we become more complacent. Okay, every single developer working on every single privacy project out there, no matter how hardcore and toxic they are, they're taking off their goddamn shoes to get on a goddamn airplane like an idiot. They're getting in that security thing and putting their hands up so that they can have their naked ass body scanned and visible to the TSA agent because they're frog in boiling water, just like the rest of us. And until we can fix, this is one of my, I, I get so angry about this because I know I'm guilty and we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. We put up with stuff now that 200 years ago, if it had been proposed to uh, the people designing this country, they would have been like, are you out of your freaking mind? Are you just the idea of a passport is insane when you think about how restrictive it is, the passport system and international travel and customs and all of this stuff that didn't exist in 1787. You know, it's like insane the stuff that we put up with. And that's only going to get what we have to assume that we as fallible, messed up humans. We're all going to just succumb to this over time. The only way we can sort of reverse it or stop it or slow it is with technology. And that's the most beautiful part of Bitcoin, that it harnesses, uh, it harnesses the faults of humans and it turns it into its fuel, right? As opposed to proof of stake, which is messed up because it actually caters to the faults of humans and encourages humans to be greedy and, and incorrect and fallible. Bitcoin acknowledges that they are and uses that friction to fuel it with game theory. And that's the kind of stuff like, hey, if we could design our politics that way, I'd be 100% right now. I'd be like, you know, hey, let's do it. <laughs> you know, but there, we haven't figured that out yet. That maybe that's the next big innovation. But we have to assume even we, even the most hardcore of the hardcore, are every cypherpunk out there is going to keep on succumbing to these little chisels away at our freedom. And that's what I get the most nervous about with this kind of conversation. Boy, I'm cynical, aren't I?
Um, let's wrap it up, guys. I think this has been a really great chat. I'm going to circulate it after we're done. Um, JW, you have any closing thoughts or Seth? I'd close with this. Um, every point of cynicism you've made in today's space, uh, I'll, I, I agree with. Um, and I think all of it bolsters the point that holding people to account about privacy, um, especially when they uh, pawn it off on a, on a on a vendor partner, just responding to that with absolute fire and samurai swords flying is the only way to respond it, to fend off uh, the the slow uh, frog boil uh, complacency that you're talking about. That's why. Um, I'm with the SW guys as we go into the future. I think I think they're they paved the way on privacy in, in, in the Bitcoin community in a way no one, nobody else has since you know back to 2013. Um, if somebody comes along with a better product, I'll use that instead. But for now, um, they got the best mousetrap, and I think everybody should be using it. Um, otherwise, you're kidding yourself about how. So yeah, they're a little they're they're a little spicy, but. Uh, but I'll pick their side. Yeah, I think maybe as a closing word, I, I would I would co-sign everything that JW just said about them, uh, and then just also say uh, it sounds sounds quippy, it sounds corny, but freedom really isn't free. And uh, let let me let me unpack that a little bit. Libertas, right? It 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 comes at a cost, right? Like we're so used to uh, we're so used to the the more recent meaning of the word free. Free as in beer, as opposed to free as in speech. And uh, I like that tools like Samurai give me freedom as in speech. That they they make me libre. They make my crypto, my Bitcoin libre. And there's a there's no other solution that's that's nearly as close. So it's worth uh, it's worth ruffling feathers. It's worth uh, it's worth shaking up relationships and putting relationships with large institutions on shaky ground. It's worth boycotting large companies. It's worth boycotting large banks. Um, it's worth a lot. And if the final frontier of Bitcoin privacy literally boils down to this decision from groups like Swan and maybe one or two others, then um, I think we're going to look back on conversations like this. And I think a lot of us are going to hope, uh, rather, we're going to look back on it and say, okay, there were decisive moments to fight fiercely for privacy. I think this is one of those moments. Thank you. And yeah, if anybody thinks that because of my takes, I'm not fighting fiercely for privacy, then uh, you're dead wrong. Okay. It's possible to fight fiercely for privacy while still being realistic and strategic and nuanced. And I think that those strategic nuanced takes are the ones that are going to be the most successful. Uh, I'm a samurai supporter and have been for a while in addition to Ronin Dojo. Uh, had them on my podcast multiple times. Um, but if there's no room for uh, dissent in that community, I, I can't exist in a community that doesn't that, that requires group think, okay? So there's always going to be various ways to achieve end goals, and I think that we should stay open uh, to those various ways. Um, and I'll just close by saying, yeah, I mean, I... I my life is every day I wake up thinking about privacy. Privacy is dignity. Um, and when, when we're looking at this from the individual point of view, we all know this, that 
no level of privacy should be criminal. None. You should be able to be as private as you can possibly be without being considered as a terrorist or a drug dealer or a criminal of any sort. We compromise our dignity, though, for the government's wars. They force us to compromise our privacy and our dignity. So we, the people that get it, we have to continue to refuse to be treated like criminals until we can prove that we're not criminals. That's the whole basis of KYC. The whole thing is you're guilty until you can prove that you're innocent. Um, but the federal government was never designed or intended to police citizens the way that it does today through these immoral, unconstitutional regulators. Uh, and until we can fundamentally change that track, it's going to continue to get worse for us. Uh, I'm pessimistic on being able to change it. That's why I don't deal with politics too much. Um, but I think that th this has been a great conversation. I think we should do this on a regular basis and continue to talk about different points of view and different ways of attacking the problems. Because if we don't do that, we're going to get bogged down with, you know, sort of a, a niche mindset where we could end up losing. So this is good. I, I've, I've accepted everything you guys have said, and I'm going to think about it. And uh, I appreciate your different points of view. Uh, come on in, hey, Chris. Thank you. And I appreciate yes. your skepticism of everything. Uh, it's helped me a lot in trying to figure out the DeFi space. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for holding the space. This has been great. Thank you. My pleasure. Appreciate you all. Have a great day.